0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids' classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. Tonight, I want to talk to you guys about the presence of God. And the title of the message tonight is An Extraordinary Normal. An Extraordinary Normal. And and here's the big idea. Here's the big idea for tonight. Before we get going, I want to lay out kind of what to expect. Here's the big idea. The most valuable thing on the earth is the presence of God. That is the big idea tonight. The most valuable thing, the most precious thing we have on the earth right now is the presence of God. And that's a beautiful statement because we now, Jesus comes and he brings us into this thing where we now get to be carriers of his presence. And so the goal tonight is that we would see that The presence of God is the most valuable thing. And then I pray that we're empowered to live as carriers of this presence from this place into the world. Amen? And so if you guys could turn to your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 5. I'm literally going to pick up prayerfully where Pastor left off talking about love and how we're part of this movement of love. How many of you guys were challenged from the message last week? I'm still... Trying to figure out what happens, you know? And so I'm praying that this would help add another layer, excuse me, to what Pastor has already started and, and said. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 16, Jesus says this, and he's talking to us. He says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Someone say lit. lit. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. An extraordinary normal. You see, if you've been in church for a little while, you hear this phrase, the kingdom of God. How many of you guys would say you've heard of this phrase, the kingdom of God? Right, the kingdom of God. If you haven't, well, this is your first time hearing it, the kingdom of God. (laughs) When Jesus came to the earth, he came and declared that the kingdom of God was here. He came and said that was his gospel. His gospel was that the kingdom of God is now here and it is among us. Now, before we move forward, it's important that we we refresh our memories on what kingdom is. You see, a lot of times, especially church people, I'll be one of them. You hear kingdom of God and you're like, yes, amen. But it's like, have you ever thought about like what that actually means? The kingdom of God. And so before we move forward, just to explain kind of where Jesus is coming from and why, we have this, this phrase that we see called the kingdom of God. Well, ju- in that time, people were ruled in kingdoms, dynasties. You know, you hear the kingdom of Rome. You may hear the, the, the kingdom of the east, the kingdom of the west. If you've seen any movie like Gladiator or anything like that, that's what we're talking about. And in these kingdoms, they were ruled by kings, queens, Princes, princesses is where you get bishops and knights. And, And that's how their kingdom was run and established. You hear peasants, laymen, all these terms come from the reality that people lived in kingdoms. And so when Jesus steps on the scene, he steps into the middle of a kingdom or a place or a land or a people ruled by the kingdom of Rome. You guys following? And so Jesus comes in And he says, the kingdom of God is here. I am bringing a new kingdom into this kingdom, and it's called the kingdom of God. And so you can assume and kind of see that people who heard this in that time are understanding what Jesus was trying to say. He's saying, I am bringing a new kingdom in which I am the king. Where Jesus is the king of this new kingdom that he is ushering in. Are you guys with me? We're going somewhere. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And so Jesus steps on the scene, and he says, the kingdom of God is here. Talking about himself. He says, because I am here on earth, the kingdom of God is now here. And and here's the thing about the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. This kingdom is a kingdom that we've never seen before. In fact, it is a unseen kingdom. So Jesus steps on the scene talking about the kingdom of God, and everyone's saying, but where? And he's saying, right here. The kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about, he was trying to establish it on earth, but he was establishing it and talking about it from a realm that was unseen. Now, I'm going to need you to track with me here. I'm going to need you to track with me here. You see, God came to earth. Jesus came to earth to establish a new kingdom, and this kingdom was unseen. But through him and what he was going to do on the earth, this kingdom would soon be seen through the people who would call themselves citizens of this kingdom. So you see where we're at. Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is now here. People said, where? He said, you're looking at him. He says, okay, I'm going to get this thing moving. And as it moves, soon this thing that you don't see, you will see because my kingdom has come to earth. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. And so we see here, the kingdom of God has come in the person of Jesus. Now this unseen world that we have not heard of We or the people, we hear of it now because we're on the other side of this thing. But in that time, they had no idea. They just heard of that there is a God. And so Jesus comes and says, now I'm going to establish this unseen kingdom for all to see. And this realm of this kingdom is called presence. I would say spirit. And just a disclaimer, as we move, you're going to hear me say presence. Presence is spirit. Spirit is presence. It is the unseen. Can we agree on that? All right, so I don't want you guys to get confused. Like, he said presence and then spirit. No, 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 we're talking about the same thing, all right? And so Jesus comes to establish this kingdom that is in the realm of presence. Now, presence is powerful. Presence is powerful. Now, you don't have to be super spiritual to understand presence. In fact, I would even challenge and, and, and say tonight that the fact that you're a human being means you operate in presence, now, when it comes to church and the things of God, we get weird when we hear stuff like that. But the truth is, we talk about presence all the time. Have you ever walked in or someone walked in a room and you just felt their presence? You know what I'm saying? Like your teacher walks in and everyone's like, oh, okay. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. Your boss walks in and all of a sudden everyone stops talking. See, we, we, we know about Presence. We even talk about it. When you go to award shows and things like that, what do, you, what do you hear? We are in the presence of greatness, and then we honor whoever is there. And so presence is not a foreign thing to us. In fact, I would even say presence is part of being a human being. Because, you see, this pulpit doesn't have a presence. People have presence. And so when we talk about presence, it's not a, a foreign thing. And I, I want to give you more examples so we make sure that this is an ordinary thing that we're part of, and it comes with being A human being there is an unseen realm that we operate in and the easiest way to identify it is through presence attitude atmosphere did you know that you have an atmosphere around you did you know that parents you know this very well when you see your kids and they say mom I'm sorry you said everything around you (laughs) did not say I'm sorry Oh Come on, you ever walk into a room after a couple got done arguing? You know what I'm saying? You ever walk in here, how's it going? It's like I'm tiptoeing, I don't even know why. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're like, all right. Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about? Fellas, you ever walk up to that girl, to your lady, and just see everything around her, the atmosphere around her, said, do not talk to me. Come on, fellas, you know what I'm talking about? You want to say, oh. I'm going to wait. I'll wait. It's not even that important. <laughs> if you don't know that sign, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but presence, it's, it's, it's a very real thing. We operate in it almost naturally. You ever have a conversation with someone and you're talking and then you're instantly like, they ain't even listening. Wow. But I'm going to keep talking because they're going to hear all this. <laughs> you, ever, you ever have that? <laughs> You just know that they're no longer with you. And so, presence is not a weird thing. It's not an uh, out of this world type of thing. It's actually part of our everyday life presence. Some people call it good vibes, some people, are like, I like the energy. There's atmosphere. There's this environment all around us. Some of you guys may have felt it when you first walked in. You say, I may not know everything that's going on, but I feel welcome. Though someone may, I hope someone said hi to you. But even if someone didn't, you would say, this place feels different. They're singing songs that I don't know, but it feels different. Stuff is happening, and I don't understand it. But the presence in here is not causing me to, to turn away. Presence. So Jesus comes and he establishes his kingdom from the present, from the unseen, and he begins to work it out into our everyday world on earth. You see, before Jesus came to the earth, we could say that we didn't have the fullness of God's presence here. Now, if you go back and look at the people that Jesus was talking to, the the Jewish people, uh, the Israel, uh, Israel, which the Bible refers to as the people of God, certain people would have encounters with God. Moses, Abraham, they would have unique encounters with God, but not everyone else would. And so the people of God became the people of God because God chose to to have an encounter with Abraham that set the course of this whole Israel nation. There was no such thing as Judaism until Abraham. It was the birth of a nation. And so from there, Jesus, over the course of Israel's history, God would would have encounters with certain people to say, hey, I am with you. And he would give them certain commands and things. Have you guys ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? What that was is it was where the presence of God would reside in the natural world. Before, that's where it would be. That's why it was a big deal to have the Ark of the Covenant because it meant you had the presence of God with you. And there was all these rules and regulations put around because the presence of God is holy. In fact, so holy that if you touched it without having the proper setup, you would die. It was that serious. And so when Israel would move from place to place, they would carry the Ark of the Covenant. And they would place it in the middle of their camp. And they would feel safe. They would be blessed. In fact, they would win wars and things that they were trying to accomplish. Why? Because the presence of God was with them. This is why David said, as we build the kingdom, I need to get the presence of God and bring it back into this thing. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus steps on the scene and he now is the embodiment of the spirit, the presence of God. So he steps on the scene and says, hey, guys, that kingdom, that thing you've been waiting for, it is now here in me. I am the presence of God. I am God in the flesh. I'm here. I'm right here. That's why when he said the kingdom of God is here, they said, where? He said, right here. They said, man, this guy's crazy. He said, no, 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 it's right here. The presence of God was residing within Jesus. He was fully God, fully man, but now we could experience God face to face. We could touch him. We can talk with him. And in fact, he came and changed the world. He flipped it upside down. Why? Because he came to establish the unseen kingdom. Are you guys with me? And so I don't know how you read the Bible, but I love to read the Bible uh, from, the, from the reality that Jesus was a human being. So just like how you have a presence around you, I like to imagine what that presence of God was like. Yeah, I, I get excited. I think that the reason why people were, did not know what to do with Jesus was because his presence was so unusual. We have never experienced a person that had this aura, this presence, this goodness around him. When we read scriptures and when we read the, Bible, uh, the, the Gospels, we see that everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was a crowd. All types of people. You would see there would be rich, poor. There'd be prostitutes, thieves. There'd be religious people. There'd be unreligious people. Every single type of person was around Jesus. And you see that as Jesus would, would go and, 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 and do his ministry that he had on earth, what would happen? People would change from being in his presence. There's countless stories of Jesus touching people and they're being healed. There's even, uh, you would see people would change just from being in his presence. If you read the gospels, you would see Jesus never called, any, never, Jesus never went up to anyone and said, hey, you're a sinner. Never. He never, he never did that. He never would. He never even had to. People would get in his presence and say, oh, my goodness, I need you. So Jesus had this presence about him, this presence around him that was unlike any human being on earth. It was a presence of God. There's even a story of this man named Zacchaeus, who is a known thief of the people of God. He was part of their lineage, but what happened was once the Roman Empire began to to put uh, the people of God, the Israel, into a category and to kind of oppress them, they would get taxes from them, right? And this man, Zacchaeus, he would steal from the people of God. He would up the ante on what they owed and pocket some of it and then give what was owed to Caesar to Caesar. And people knew this. So what does Jesus do? Jesus comes on the scene and he finds Zacchaeus. And he says, today, Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat at your house. Essentially saying, Zacchaeus, I'm bringing the presence of God into your home. You best believe this made a lot of people angry, specifically religious people. But as you go to read the story, it says that Jesus is hanging out. He's he's literally reclining at the table. I love that Jesus loved to eat and hang out. Can I just pause for a moment? Like, that is awesome. Can we just thank God that Jesus likes that stuff? Like, come on now. (laughs) And so we see Jesus reclining at the table. And Jesus is hanging out, just being himself. And what do we see Zacchaeus do? He literally gets up and says, Jesus, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. And because you're here, I'm going to pay back every single person that I ever robbed. Jesus said, okay, They just kept the gun. There's something about the presence of Jesus that was different than any other presence. Because it was the presence of God on earth. And so we're going somewhere, you guys still with me? So now, Jesus, he comes and he begins to establish this unseen realm. He begins to say, this unseen realm is going to begin to come onto the earth. In fact, it has already come. And I'm going to begin to establish as the king this new way of living. It was like a kingdom within a kingdom. And so Jesus comes. And in Matthew chapter 5, where we started, this is where Jesus begins to lay out the decrees of how his kingdom is going to be. Just like when we get a new president, they they say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Just like when you get a new boss, he says, like, hey, this is how we're gonna roll. Jesus says, I am the Lord of this new kingdom and here's how it's gonna be. But because it's an unseen kingdom, I'm gonna poke at some unseen things. So if you continue to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you begin to see the way that Jesus envisions this kingdom to be on earth. He says things like, before you heard that it was not good to commit adultery. Everyone said, "Amen." And then he goes, "But in my kingdom, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you have already committed adultery." Now, wait a minute, time out, time out. That's that's unseen playing field. Jesus says things like, "Okay, you guys know that you're not supposed to murder." Amen. Preacher Jesus. He says, but in my kingdom, if you even have anger and hatred against your brother, you've already committed murder. You see how Jesus is here, but he's speaking to a realm that we don't see, but we operate in. And so Jesus comes and he says, I'm establishing my kingdom. I am here. He begins to lay out the framework. And I don't know how you think, but as a disciple, I'm like, let's go. I've been waiting for centuries for this moment. We have been enslaved and beat down by this Roman Empire. Jesus, let's get it. Let's go. Where do I sign up? And so Jesus is going through his thing. And in Matthew 5, he begins to say all these things. That will follow in his kingdom. God blesses those who realize their need for him. They will inherit the kingdom of heaven. God God blesses those who mourn. They'll be comforted. God blesses those who are humble. They will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. They will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful. For they will be shown mercy. He begins to go through all these things that will accompany the kingdom of God. And then he gets to the best part. He tells us what our role is. This is like the climax of the whole thing. I'm like, I'm about to be VP. I'm like, I'm about to, I'm about to be a governor. Lord, been, can you guys kind of see what I'm doing? He's like, I'm about to, and he says, you are so <laughs> Now, <laughs> we on this side, we say, yes, yes, we are salt. But come on, kind of put yourself in that moment. You are salt, and you are light. What? Jesus, what do you mean? Like we say that like that's a good thing. Like if someone was on the side of the road and they called you salt, best believe you feel some type of way. You can't sit here and tell me like if someone was like, "Oh, you salty," you'd be like, "Oh yeah, hey man." No. Be like, did Jesus just call me salt? <laughs> he says you are the salt of the earth. Your role is to be salt and light. And so Jesus, don't worry, we're going to leave this here. We're going to keep going. So Jesus in in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 lays out his kingdom. And then for the next three years, he begins to live out this kingdom on earth for us to see. He begins to live out the very things that he declared. He begins to live out everything he said it would be. He begins to live out and work out this unseen kingdom on the earth through his life, through his death. And then when he resurrected, he proved and shown that he was the king that he said that he was. And so fast forward. Don't worry. We're going somewhere. Fast forward to here, to to after Jesus resurrected. So Jesus resurrects. He goes back to the disciples for 40 days, and he says, I told you. They said, we knew it. He said, yeah, all right, but you're good, you're good, you're good. I don't know how you read the Bible again. You got to That's how I read the Bible. And now Jesus says this very interesting thing. It's not going to come up, but in John. In John 16, he says this. Listen. He says, Now. I must go back to this heavenly realm so that I can send my presence, the Holy Spirit, back on earth that you guys may carry it and fulfill and work out the kingdom that I have established. Jesus says, I must go. I have to go. Do I want to go? I don't know. He says, I must go. Why? So that he may send back his presence. Why? So that you and you and you and you and you would have his presence. You see, when Jesus is here physically, it's contained to a physical place. But if he's to go and he's to send it, oh, now it's unleashed. Now we got some movement. So he says, I must go so that I can send My presence. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus says this. He says, but you will receive power. Say power. Power. Oh, say it again like you mean it. Say "power." power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the presence of God comes upon you, comes within you. And what? You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in New Bedford, in Fairhaven, in Dartmouth, in Fall River, to the ends of the earth. Jesus is basically saying this. He's saying that you will receive power. My presence will come upon you, and you will carry my presence. When people see you, when they get in your atmosphere, they will witness me. When people encounter you, when they get in your space, they will witness me. I'm giving you power to go and be salt and light. Jesus is saying here, the old way, your value was found in what you did and what you do. I would even say that that's a way of our world. Your value is found in what you do. But when it comes to the kingdom of God in this new way, your value, hear me, is found in what you carry. Your value isn't found in what you do. It's found in what you carry. So the question tonight, and here's where it gets interesting. I'm getting excited. What do you carry? What do you carry? Because hear me, we all carry something. We all carry something. Can we be honest tonight? We all carry something. We all walked in here carrying something. Some of us carrying guilt. Some of us carrying shame. Some of us carrying our past. Some of us carrying our pain. Can we have an honest moment tonight in church and say, hey, we are all carrying something. So the question isn't, I don't know if I'm carrying something. No, that's that's the wrong question. The question is, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? You see, religion is like you got to do the right thing. But you can do the right thing and carry the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? Like religion would like to be like, oh, he's got to do the right thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. But I can do the right thing and still carry hatred. I can do the right thing and still carry pain. I I can still carry hate in my heart. I can still carry unforgiveness. I can still carry bitterness. I can be in church doing the God thing, but still carry lust. Come on. It doesn't matter what you do. It comes down to what you carry. And so tonight, I just want to declare that we have the privilege of carrying the presence of God. It may be your first time here tonight, but I want you to know you have the privilege, because of Jesus, to carry God's presence. We carry the presence of God. So what does that mean? That means we carry goodness, we carry hope, we carry joy, we carry love, we carry peace. Oh, come on. Some of you who have experienced the presence of God, you know, you carry life. And everything I just named, you can't put your hand on. Wow. Wow. Everything I just said, we're like, yeah, go ahead and grab love. Wow. I'll wait. <laughs> go ahead and grab hope. And just, just grab it or just put it in your pocket. <laughs> go ahead and grab peace. You see, all these things we believe for, all these things that we want, all these things we desire come from an unseen place. And we have the privilege of carrying the source of all of those things. That is the presence of God. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? You see, there's an incredible story in the Bible um, in Acts 4. And I want to share with you because I really, my prayer is that you guys would walk out of here with a greater sense of the value that God has given you by giving you his presence. And so we see that there is an, an awesome story in the Bible and in Acts 4, we see that Peter and John are, are, are put in jail. They're arrested. Now, in Acts 3, we see, I hope you go home and read the, read Acts. I'm telling you, you want to you see God move and things from the unseen kingdom come to life? Go and read Acts. But in Acts 3, we see Peter and John, both disciples who received that promise that we just read, that they would receive power, they now begin to go, and they're on their way to the temple, and there's this, there's this crippled man that's right at the gates, and the Bible says that this man has been carried and brought and placed here every single day to get money. And so Peter and John are on their way to church, and they're doing their thing, and they come across this man, and this man looks at them, and he says, hey, give me money, And Peter looks at this man and he says, listen, I'm broke just like you. But what I do have and where my true riches are, I can give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Peter grabs this man's hand, he lifts him up, and this man jumps up and does a backflip. I added that. It's not in your Bible. I'm just saying I added that. All right? He jumps up. And now you can think of the commotion that is happening around these guys. Like if you couldn't walk and you just walk, best believe you'd be crip-walk. you'd be doing all this stuff. You'd be getting it. And so he was doing all that around around these guys. And he's yelling and screaming and shouting, and they're going into the temple and they're there, and he's causing a scene. And the Bible says that Peter sees an opportunity. Because all these people start looking. And he says, You know what? I'm gonna be light real quick. He sees an opportunity. And he said, he to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And, of course, a ton of people believed, but a ton of people hated, mostly the Pharisees, the religious people. And so because they were so disturbed, they didn't know what to do, they arrested these men and put them in jail. Fast forward to chapter 4. We find that these guys are now on trial. And here's what happens. Verse 8, I'm going to read it and then we're going to read verse 13 together. Verse 8 says this Then Peter, key word, filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me be clearly, let me clearly state to all of you and to all people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in scriptures. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So he's just like, mm, 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 mm. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So you can say it's like a mic drop. It's just like. Verse 13. The members of of the council were so amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Here's what I want you to know, that the presence of God in your life is what puts the extra in your ordinary. The presence of God in your life is what puts the extra to your Monday, to your Tuesday, to your Wednesday, to where you work, to where you stay, to your community. It is the presence of God that makes your everyday, mundane, ordinary life extraordinary. It is only the presence of God. It's the presence of God that sets us apart. If the presence of God isn't here, you just came to a nice TED talk. If the presence of God is not here, what are we doing here? I tell the young people all the time, because we love to play games and hang out, eat a lot of food when we get together. I said, if the presence of God's not here, we might as well go to the YMCA. Let's pack this up and go down the street. If the presence of God is not here, what do we actually have? It is the presence of God that makes this thing valuable at all. And so now, we are salt and light. Here's what I want us to know tonight. We are meant to bring the presence of God into the world. When we gather, I think the concern is that we experience the presence and then leave it at the door. We say, God, you're so good, and before we even hit the parking lot, we've dropped it out. You see, we are meant to bring the presence of God into the world. Salt and light are the most valuable things on earth. Now, us in our American culture, we take that for granted. We take light and salt for granted. You don't know how good you have it till you see a young kid not being able to do their homework because they don't have any light. You take just walking in and hitting a flip switch for granted till you're sitting pitch black yeah. in a third world country talking about I need to charge my iPhone. And I don't say that to guilt us, I really don't, I really don't. I'm just saying we got to remember and take a step back to see the value in these things and how Jesus wants to show us our value through them. You see, salt salt preserves and adds flavor. So let's take this in the context of us carrying the presence of God. We preserve Jesus' presence on earth. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus says, I'm going, and y'all got this. (laughs) Yo. You trust me that much, Jesus? I don't know. He says, I'm going, and you got this. Don't do nothing until my spirit comes on you. (laughs) But when it does, y'all will be all right. So we preserve the parents of God. We get to carry and tend to the presence of God in our lives. We get to say, no, 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 Jesus did come, he did reign, he did resurrect, why? Because I'm here. We get to carry out the legacy that the kingdom of God is amongst us and within us and the people of God. So we get to preserve the presence of God on the earth. Are you guys following me? And then we get to add some flavor. That's my favorite part. We get to add flavor. Do you know that the environment that you're in was meant for you to add some flavor to it? The chaos at your job, why don't you add some flavor to the atmosphere? Now, I'm not saying you got to go around and force it. Be like, I have the presence of God. I have the presence of God. No, that's weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't misrepresent. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's weird. <laughs> But can you sit at your desk and say, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place because I'm here. Can you sit in that staff room and say, Jesus, come and bring peace to this friend, this friend, and this friend because they're going through hell on earth, but I'm here. Can you sit in your boss's office and instead of having an attitude, sit there and say, I wonder what this man, this woman goes through. I'm going to add some flavor in the room. You came to have a terrible conversation with me because I did jack some stuff up. But I'm going to add some flavor in the room. I'm going to pray for you in my heart. I'm going to thank you in my heart. I'm going to add gentleness and and peace to this situation. And then I'm going to go back and do what I got to do. Come on, can you add flavor? I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I believe sometimes we're so trying to get out of our situation when God's saying, no, 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 I placed you there to add flavor. That hood that you live in, what if you were there to add flavor? That family that you keep talking about, what if you were there to add flavor around the Thanksgiving table? What if God brought us together every weekend to deposit another layer of his presence into our lives so that we may go where we go and bring the presence of God where we are. So we're here to bring flavor. And then we're here to be light. And light illuminates. Light illuminates and light brightens up. We get to shed light. We get to brighten up situations. When people come to us and they say, oh, I, 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 I'll never get it right, we get to say, no, think you are loved. No, you, you, you'll get through this. Come on, we get to shed light over people. We get to empower people. We get to, to be the light. When everyone's going this way, you get to say, no, 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 you are going to be okay. We get to add flavor. And here's the cool thing. When you begin to live your life this way, life begins to become fun. Going to the grocery store is not just going to the grocery store. Yo, we, 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 we go in like, yo, I'm gonna get this bread. I'm gonna get this milk. But that cashier looks like she's having a bad day. So I'm gonna stand in line, everyone's there. I'm gonna say, hey, you're doing a good job. Now, a good job from someone who's carrying the presence of God is different than a good job from someone who's not. All it takes is a good job and they're like, oh, what? I am doing a good job. Why? Because when they said it, they were saying it from a different place. When I say it, I'm carrying the presence of God. So when I say good job, when I say high five, when I say you're doing all right, I'm shedding and I'm spreading and I'm sprinkling salt everywhere. You got to know your value. You got to walk into that place saying, I'm about to sprinkle some salt all over this place. Good job. You're doing well. Come here. Oh, man, parents, what if you went to, to your house and began to just add some salt to your kids? What if you begin to go to school teachers? I'm going to add some salt in the room. What would happen if we truly begin to carry God's presence and be the flavor of the earth? Are you guys with me? We add flavor to our environment. We illuminate the truth. And we shine light on those and we add value to them. I want to say this, and this is why what Pastor Marco said to us about love and action is so powerful. Because I believe that sometimes as believers, I'm talking to the believers now, the church people. We don't know our worth because we never activate it in helping others. But when you leave out of here and you, excuse me, begin to go and add value to people, you begin to see how valuable you are. When you begin to stop and say, how can I pray for you? When you begin to stop for that homeless man and say, how can I help you? When you begin to see their eyes light up and you begin to see their countenance change, you begin to say, I may not have much, but what I do have, I can give. You begin to see, I am valuable, though my situation is jacked up. But here's the beauty. People begin to look at you and say, hey, you're just like me. You walk the same streets I do. You clock in and clock out the same time I do. You talk like me. You are from the same hood. You have the same step, but there's something different about you. People are going to say, you laugh just like me. You have problems in your life just like me. But I can't seem to figure out why you're so different. And you get to say, yes, there's some extra to my ordinary, and his name is Jesus. It's not hard. If you were to be aware, sometimes you go around trying to add the extras. Like, I'm gonna be extra. I'm gonna open up my Bible right on my desk. I'm sorry, I don't know if that was a bad joke or not. I really don't. I really don't. If you do that, keep doing your thing, girl. Like, just keep doing it. That may be it, I don't know. But I'm just saying, it doesn't have to be so much on what I do if it's just who you are. I bring flavor that's why I'm valuable I walk in the job and said hey you may not know this but I'm the most valuable person here <laughs> why because I work hard and I bring flavor okay <laughs> okay and so the band you guys can come up and, and here's where we land I hope this makes sense this makes sense I pray that we don't make this thing so complicated and so abstract and so weird where it's like, no, 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 maybe God has placed you in New Bedford for a reason. Maybe if you were to shift your perspective of trying to get out of New Bedford, you'd actually be gonna add value to New Bedford. Maybe if you shift your perspective from trying to get out of Fall River or out of wherever you're from or out of your family or out of your work, and you begin to add value to that thing and wake up every morning and say, I have the presence of God. It is the most valuable thing on this earth. In fact, everyone on the earth is looking for this presence. Come on, come on. I'm gonna be it. And when they ask me why, I'm gonna point them to Jesus. And when they ask me how, I'm gonna point them to Jesus. And when they ask me what, I'm going to point them to Jesus. And so here's where I want to wrap it up. Forgive me for going long. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7 says this. Dre, you can bring that up. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We are broken vessels. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, the more we try and do the extra stuff to make it look like we have it all figured out, the more we miss the opportunity to share what we're carrying. You see, here's what it looks like. You see this pizza box? When you look at this pizza box, do you see the box or do you see pizza? When you see this pizza box... What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Pizza. Could it be that it's not what's on the outside, but it's what the box contains? I don't care what type of box it is, I don't care where it came from. I'm hungry and I want some pizza. Give me the box. Come on, what if we lived our lives not worried? about how we looked, about what we did, about what happened. What are we going to see that even in this mess, even in my brokenness, I have this hope. I have this treasure. I have this light. I have the presence of God. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.